This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. When we're in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation in us. It's not like we're waiting for the test results or to find out our credit score or to find out whether the test became positive or negative from the doctor's office. You are in Christ Jesus. That means there's no condemnation in Christ. You have been justified. You have been set free. In John chapter 8, verse 36, Jesus says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Whether we're well-versed or a brand new believer in Christ, each and every one of us is familiar with Romans 8 verse 1. However, no matter how many times we might read that we're no longer condemned in Christ, we sometimes struggle to live it out. In today's message, Pastor Eddie unpacks this powerful verse that so many of us rely on each and every day. In our study, we learn about the profound and wonderful nature of this verse that assures us that we're no longer condemned if we're in Christ. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in Romans chapter 8 for today's edition of Running the Race. Paul opens up verse 1 of chapter 8. Let us read it. Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Let us read it together. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Why I wanted you to read this, not that I want to be Baptist now, but I wanted you to read this so you could get this through your head because it's very important for the Christian believer. This here verse is key. It's a very awesome verse. It's a very popular verse. It's a verse that we should underline, memorize, and know it by heart. It is speaking to the Christian. It is speaking to the believers, those that have been sanctified, not to the world. The word condemned or condemnation means punishment. It means punishment, which is followed by a judicial sentence, those that go to court. Now, here's the thing. Condemnation is totally opposite. It's the very opposite of justification. You cannot be condemned and justified at the same time. When you go to court, you either found guilty or you're found innocent. You can't be found both. What is the verdict? Guilty, innocent. Innocent, guilty. No, it's either or. You're either justified or you're either condemned. And just like in the court. And so every single one of us here this morning in this room or even out in the world, we fall into one or two categories. We either condemned or justified. Now, saints, I want you to understand this verse. This is very important. This is why biblical doctrine and teaching is important. Okay, it's a point I want to prove this. You know that feeling you get when you take an exam? You're looking forward to finding, did I pass or did I fail? You know that feeling? You're not too sure? You know that feeling you get when you check in your credit score? Credit karma. <laughs> right? I hope it's above 600. You know that feeling you get when you get pulled over by a police officer? You're hoping you don't get a ticket? I hope he walks back with just my license. You know that feeling you get when you're waiting for the test results from your doctor. You don't know if it's positive or negative. 
You know that feeling like you just don't know? And you're waiting for the answer to see where you stand. And that's why this is important. You know that feeling you get where you're not sure where you stand before God. Yeah, you're saved. You've been justified. You've been sanctified. Where do I stand? I want you to listen. Because you yourself just read it out loud. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That is it. No condemnation to you. When we are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation in us. It's not like we're waiting for the test results or to find out our credit score or to find out whether the test became positive or negative from the doctor's office. You are in Christ Jesus. That means there's no condemnation in Christ. You have been justified. You have been set free. In John chapter 8, verse 36, Jesus says, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. There's no question. There's no question. And so, if you've been haunted as a believer in Jesus Christ, you've been haunted by something in the past, or presently, right now, you're struggling with something in your life and you walk with the Lord, or you're worrying, concerned about tomorrow, can I tell you, saints, be haunted no more, struggle no more, and worry no more, because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And this is important. This is why it needs to be drilled to our head. Because we think that once we fall, that we are no longer in God's good side. You all have been justified. You all are believers in Jesus Christ. Do we blow it? We sure do blow it. At Christians, forget it. We blow it all the time. But how do we stand before Christ? I blew it yesterday. I blew it the day before yesterday. Or I blew it on my way coming to church. Just caught off somebody just... It's just too slow. There is now therefore no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And Paul knew this. That is why the, the chapter and verse breaks within the Bible, they're good. But it should have been a nice flow when he ended chapter 7. He said, oh, wretched man. That's how many of us are standing. And we should. At a reverence. At a knowing that, hey, we're not perfect and we do need Jesus Christ. But he said, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? The things that I want to do, I don't do. That I'm supposed to be doing. That glorifies God. But I don't do it. Oh, wretched man that I am, who would deliver me from this? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There are many Christians that have been haunted, been scarred, been hurt. Because they don't understand this biblical doctrine. And we need to underline this verse. We've been haunted. We've been told, or oh, you know, you're not right with God. And they give you this guilt trip because they think they're holy. Or they think they're holier than you. Or because they know the Bible more than you. And so we get this guilt trip in us. There are too many Christians that are hurt. is because all they're getting from either from the radio or from some book, self-help's 10 Steps to a Better You, or some, some church where they're tickling in the ears with motivational sermonettes, but not teaching them sound doctrine of the Bible. They're telling you the how-tos, but don't tell you why. And you need to know why you shouldn't be feeling condemned because there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Know one thing for sure, saints, and keep this in mind, that God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit will never, never, never condemn you who believes in him and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He will never condemn you. 
Never feel condemned. But you say, but Pastor Eddie, I know that I'm saved. I know I've been justified by faith. I know that I'm a Christian. But how come I feel condemned? Saints, you need to know the difference from condemnation and conviction. That's where it divides. And you need to know that condemnation and conviction are two different things. Yeah, we blow it. What tells us in us, what, who ministered to us, that tells us that we blew it? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. That's conviction. That's healthy. Now, you know who condemns the Christian, who has always condemned the Christian, who has always condemned those that put their faith in God and Jesus Christ? It's not the Lord. Because we, we established the fact that Jesus will never, never condemn you. As a matter of fact, this is the reason why Jesus tells us, don't judge one another. And it's the judgment. There's two kinds of judgments. It's talking about the judgment unto condemnation. Don't say, listen, because you, act, you acted this way, you sinned in such a way, you're condemned to go to hell. That is, the, that is condemnation. That is judgment unto condemnation. We're not talking about judgment because Jesus says make righteous judgment. How would you know if someone is of the Lord? You would know them by the fruits, Jesus says. So that Jesus says make righteous judgment. So that's a judgment. So you hear people say, hey, don't judge me. I'm not judging. You know, I'm just letting you know I'm, I love you. <laughs> You're in sin. Oh, but you don't know my heart. I know your heart. It's the same as mine. It tells us the, the heart is wicked. Who can know it? It's deceitful of all things. I don't know you personally, every detail, but I know that every heart is corrupt and God is holy. And so Christ would know. He says, don't judge. Matthew chapter 7, verse, verse 1. He says, judge not that you be not judged. And that is the judgment unto condemnation. It is not the judgment that one would uh, you know, judge one for fruit. Even Christ our Savior. When Jesus came here, doing his earthly ministry, Jesus didn't come to condemn, right? That's what the world tells us. The word, Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 17, he said, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You see, if Christ didn't come to condemn the world, who in the world do we think we are that we can condemn one another? Condemnation should never be in our language. Condemnation is something we should never feel. We should never feel condemned. We shouldn't be condemned from anyone because if God is not going to condemn me, who is anyone else to condemn me? And I, couldn't, I shouldn't condemn anyone else. Condemnation shouldn't be a practice. It shouldn't even, the only time it should be in our vocabulary is to assure us that we're not condemned. We're not condemned. Jesus went on to say in verse 18 of John chapter 3, he who believes in him, that is his son, is not condemned. He who believes is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Not that Jesus condemned them. They're already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So you see, God, he, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. He came that the world might be saved because they're already condemned. You don't beat a dead horse. It's already dead. The law already revealed to them that they are the walking dead. They are without Christ. So Christ didn't come to condemn why would Jesus condemn? So the only one that condemned Christians, my friends, saints of Jesus Christ, you have been sanctified, you have been justified through faith, is the enemy, saying the accuser. He's called the accuser. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. It tells us, then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Cast down. That is saying he's the accuser. 
And so if all we get as Christians is, is milk, is, you know, people tickling our ears, with motivational sermonettes, and we don't understand doctrine, the enemy is going to come, and he's going to save you and make you feel like you're condemned, but you're not. And that's why you need to know the difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation comes from the enemy and is meant to tear you down. Condemnation continually points out your failures and how badly you messed up. Condemnation shows you the problem but avoids the solution. That's condemnation. Now, as Christians, we already know we do sin. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. It brings conviction. Being convicted by the Holy Spirit, it shows us the answer and it gives it to us through the Holy Spirit, through God. Being convicted by the Holy Spirit shows us through God's word what we are doing wrong and what we should do. Being convicted by the Holy Spirit just shows us where we need to grow in our faith and that we do sin. When we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does. We should pray for conviction. The more you pray for conviction, the more the Holy Spirit reveals it to you and say, listen, okay, you want to be like Jesus? You want, this is real. You want to be like Jesus? You want to be a real Christian, not a fake Christian? You don't want to be a Sunday Christian? You don't want to be a Christian by name? But you really want to please God? Let the Holy Spirit convict you. And I pray for it all the time. Lord, convict me. And I, I, I listen to it and I say, you're right. you know, Lord, you're right. My attitude towards this was wrong. My attitude was wrong. I handled this differently. I spoke to a brother or sister the wrong way. I didn't share the gospel to someone when I should have. Read it for homework. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It says that we have an advocate with the Father. When we do sin, it says we come to him, we confess our sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's how the Holy Spirit convicts us but it would never, never, never condemn you. And so I hope we got this clear as a Christian. You would never be condemned. Isn't that great? That, you know, we live in a world where you're always trying to drive, make sure you abide by the laws, you know, you pay your taxes, you do right. You don't want to be in trouble. Guess what? You know, okay, this is the world, but we're talking about the spirit, being right with God. That's all that matters is my spiritual life, my soul, whether I'm right with God. And the good thing is, the good news is, is that I was condemned. I'm justified, I'm sanctified, and there is no condemnation because I'm in Christ Jesus. And so, in Adam, we are all condemned. In the, in the law of Moses, with the laws of Moses, the commandments or the 613 commandments, we're condemned. However, in Christ Jesus, thank be to God, as, as Paul said, that there is therefore now no condemnation, we'll continue to read, to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. The only way to live a godly life The only way to please and honor God with your life is to walk according to the spirit, not according to the flesh. And there are Christians who try to do this. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You you can't please God with the flesh. What did Jesus tell the Samaritan woman by the well? He said, you know, those, the Father seeking those who is worship him, worshiping him in the spirit and in the truth. Not in the flesh, in the truth. You can't do it in the flesh. Though there are many churches, to be honest, that they're worshiping in the flesh. They want to entertain you. They want the lights and the smoke screens. And, you know, they got the guy, you know, everybody has to have the image. And it's all about the music. It's all about appearance. But there is no worship. There is no spirit. We're doing it just like the world. 
We need to worship God in the spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 17, Paul writes to the church of Galatians. He says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. It's always in the spirit. We worship God. The God of spirit is not in the flesh. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, for you students, up to this point, the Holy Spirit was only mentioned twice from Romans chapter 1, verse 1, all the way up to Romans chapter 8, verse 1. The Holy Spirit has only been mentioned twice. Here in chapter 8, we're going to see the Holy Spirit mentioned 19 times. And you know why? It's just consistent the way God works, you see, because the world doesn't have the Holy Spirit. It's when we accept Christ as our Lord of person, save the Holy Spirit comes in us. And those are the three words that you need to understand scripturally. The Holy Spirit world's para, parakletos, which we get the word parallel parking. The Holy Spirit worked alongside us, right? It led us to the cross. You weren't a believer in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit said, listen, you need God. You're empty. You have no hope. You're, there's a void in your heart and only Christ can fill. And then you answer that. Then you go to the cross. When you go to the cross, accept Christ, Lord, person, save then the Holy Spirit comes in you. The Greek word is en. We have it in. It comes in us. And then the day of Pentecost, when the birth of the church, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. E-P-I, epi is the Greek word. So it comes upon you. So we see the consistency, right? We were condemned. The Holy Spirit brought conviction in our hearts. Now we've been justified. Now we've been sanctified, set apart. And now we're going to see the work of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? That you, that's the way God works in our lives. And this is the way Paul is writing. Remember, this, you know, people say, oh, yeah, the Bible's written by man. Yeah, he used a man. It's just like Noah's ark was built. The Holy Spirit didn't build the ark. God used man. But it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. There's, no, there's not an intelligent mind in the world, in the past, today, or in the future, that can actually put this all together. It's been integrated spiritually by the Holy Spirit. And so we see this here. He said, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of the sin and death. And so the spirit of life is none other referring to the Holy Spirit. And this is a good thing that we have the Holy Spirit. Because Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, Paul says, Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty, freedom. You know, you're not condemned. And now there's freedom because of the Holy Spirit set us free. He who is free is free indeed. And the Holy Spirit, only God could do that. Wherever the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 63, it is the Spirit who gives life, and the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. And so the law of the Spirit of life has made us free, has given us a life of freedom. Freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from the law from sin and death. Thank God. Because if not, without Christ, guess what? The law is still there. The law is still there to reveal our sin and expose our sin without Christ. So we've been set free from that. We've been set free from death because we're in Christ Jesus. He who is in me shall never die, right? Jesus, I am the resurrection. He who believes in me, though you're dead, yet shall you live. To die is gain. And so that is the life that we have in Christ. So when you and I 
believed in Jesus Christ. We have surrendered our life to him. We became born again. As soon as we were born again, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of life has entered your life, my life, with the law that made us free. And this is awesome. I think it's awesome because you and I no longer, we no longer have to struggle and fight this battle on our own. Isn't it great? That, you know, yes, it's not easy. Remember, we, we looked at Paul. Paul says, the things that I want to do, the things that I know I should be doing, I don't do it, and the things that I want to do, the things I shouldn't do, I do. Who's going to help us with that? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. You don't, you don't have to battle and fight the flesh. You don't have to fight the enemy. You don't have to fight the world on your own. You have the Holy Spirit who's with us. So this is an awesome thing. We no longer have to struggle and fight. The Holy Spirit is there with us. We now have the Holy Spirit of Christ in us. Verse 3, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh. Remember, we studied the law is good. The law is good. Yeah, it exposes the sin. Yes, it showed us that we're sinful and God is holy. But it was good. It was good. The law is good, but, it was, it was, but, in the, but the flesh is weak. He said, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. In other words, God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, in the likeness of sinful flesh as a man. He came to identify with us what God would do that. What God would leave his throne. What God would leave his glory. What God would leave his power. And to be moral, to be like man. is a God of love. It's a God of love, the God like Jesus Christ who wants to identify with me. He wants to identify because Jesus, when he came here, he was a man. He was 100% man. He was 100% God, and he came to identify with us. Did he need to be baptized? No. But he did it just to identify with us. And though he was truly human, yet without sin, we know he was the perfect man. Verse 3, for what the Lord could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Christ came as a man, and he has already suffered for us. He suffered for us. We look at the cross. Oh, pitiful thing. Oh, anyone that's on the cross, the scripture says, is a curse. But did you know that you and I belong to the cross? Do you know that that spot on the cross, those three nails, was reserved for you, was reserved for me? He took my place. He identified with me, and he was without sin. He was perfect. I belong out there. I sinned. Who killed Jesus? Was it the Pharisees? No. Was it the Roman soldiers? No. Who killed Jesus? I did. Every single one of us who sinned, he took my place. And what the law could not save, it can only condemn. But Christ became and took our place, became sin for us, and it was through Christ, and it was only through Christ that we have eternal life. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated His own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This incredible truth applies to us even today. We didn't do anything to warrant God's acceptance and love of us. He saw us while we were still sinners and loved us despite that. Would you like to know more about what that means for you? Please give us a call at 570-296-7367. We'd also like to encourage you to find a church family you can be a part of. The believers you'll encounter there will help you grow in your faith and offer you support in every situation. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania area, 
We'd love to have you come join us here in person at Calvary Chapel of Milford. For service times and more information, visit runningtheraceradio.com. If you'd like to listen to more messages from Running the Race, Tracy has more information on how. Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God by hearing from Him. To hear more encouraging words from God's Word through the ministry of Pastor Eddie, go to runningtheraceradio.com and then click on the radio page. There you'll find today's message and many more. Thanks, Tracy. Join us next time for the continuing verse-by-verse study of Romans with Pastor Eddie Pinero right here on Running the Race. 